0: I mean, there are things I, I, if I tell people, they look at me like, you know, I'm crazy. Here I am, this, you know, middle-class, retired teacher, you know, living in a small town in Pennsylvania who was, you know, hunted down by the Chilean secret police.
1: Welcome to the Egg Factory. I'm Shara. And I'm Diane. This week we interviewed Hope Hope Boylston. Hope is a retired Spanish teacher living in central Pennsylvania. She's in her late 60s, but when she was in her 20s, she ended up living in Chile. Yeah, she went on a crazy adventure with her pal Tutti where they traded their cars in for a Land Cruiser and drove down to Chile. They were there during the revolution and Hope considers Chile her second home now. Enjoy our interview with Hope.
0: My first exposure to Latin America was my senior year of college, and I spent a semester in Quito. And I came from a pretty protected family, and suddenly I was in this town where when I got up in the morning to go to school, there would be people going through my garbage to see what they could eat. And I just, I I sort of had never had any idea that that level of, of poverty existed in the world, I guess. And although I should have seen and known more about it in my own country, I really hadn't. So I think it was Ecuador that did it to me, really. It was like I I didn't know exactly what you could do there. But it seemed perfectly clear that, you know, they needed some major upheaval because most of the population was so marginalized and most of the marginalized were indigenous people. Um, And they still are in Ecuador, although things have improved a great deal since then. But it's still... um, very much that way. And then driving from the United States all the way to Chile gave you, you know, exposure to the same kind of conditions all up and down the map. So by the time I got to Chile, I was sort of ready to join into whatever was there. Salvador Allende was elected that September, and I had arrived the march before that. That was the only thing anybody ever talked about, really, was this upcoming election. So when he won, I got pulled into it. I actually was always surprised that, given um, our country's foreign policy and attempts to smash the Allende government, still Chileans were quite open to people as individuals and willing to let people in. It was a degree of political sophistication in which they, they didn't make you personally responsible for everything your country was doing
2: you were
1: really shocked by seeing, encountering poverty firsthand and felt like that was something you needed to do something about? Did you feel satisfied in, in the path that you took to try to solve that problem?
0: Yes, I think I did. I mean, not that lot, lots of people didn't make lots of mistakes. Mm-hmm. but There's really nothing like being part of a huge social and political movement that, that looked at least like it had a chance to make it. You know, at least we all believed that for quite a while. Maybe in the last year of the Allende government, we were all pretty sure it was going to get somehow toppled. But in that time that we had, you know, you could sort of do anything. It was a very open moment. I have to say, I, I, I wouldn't say that I went to Chile in order to join that. I didn't really even know what was going on there. When I left, I mean, at least in part, what we did was just we didn't want to go to graduate school right away and we were able to trade our cars in for a Jeep. I didn't, I didn't go down there as like this committed activist. I went down there questioning things and, and found other people who were questioning them and had been doing so for a heck of a lot longer than I had um, and joined them.
1: Do you uh, miss like living that adventurous 20s life?
0: Yeah, I do. I think I think everybody I know who lived through those years um, will tell you that their lives don't have that intensity that they once had. It was exciting. It was it was um, passionate.
1: Would you want to recapture that intensity? Like how you are now, and how you think, and everything that you know. Would you want to? find that again
0: i don't know i mean i don't see where it would happen at this point in my life i do go back to chile every year now i have a granddaughter there and my oldest son who was born there lives there so i spent two or three months there but it's not the same kind of thing i do have a girlfriend who i would say has maintained that passion. And if I were in Chile full time, I would work with her organization and maybe then I would sort of get closer to where I was once. She runs a community healthcare organization that trains people in shanty towns to be basic healthcare workers. And she has been doing it for 30 or 40 years now. And yes, she's, she's probably the only one I know who has kept that up. I haven't found a way to be like that still. I, it would be wonderful if I could. Maybe I've just gotten too uh, comfortable now. I'm not sure. Um, and there are risks that I wouldn't have taken in other years because I had three children. even the, the risks that I took when my oldest son was small, if I look back on it, I think, boy, I don't know about that. you know Should you really have been doing that with a six-year-old in your you know as a single mother? Mm-hmm. So those things attitudes change. But central Pennsylvania is pretty much a total you know, waste as, as far as any kind of political <laughs> activism is concerned.
1: So when you go back to Pennsylvania, do you just feel like a part of yourself is constantly dissatisfied because you're not kind of involved in those things that you feel are very important?
0: Yes, but not constantly. I mean, I have wonderful friends here. It is a university town. I, I have a group of friends that I'm really fond of. They may not have ever lived quite the way I do, but that's all right with them, too. At this point, I'm almost 70, but I travel a lot. I'm still, I've always, ever since then, been passionate about seeing as much of the world as I, I can, and I spend two or three months a year in Chile, so I'm kind of in and out of here now.
1: Another question I have, and Luke also had, um, was about how you view today's youth and whether or not it's the responsibility of people our age and younger to to do something about a lot of the social issues that there are in our country and abroad.
0: Well, I do wonder there aren't more young women defending their rights to um, contraception and abortion. I find that one issue, at least... Mystifying. I mean, I had roommates in college who had to be hospitalized after the, you know, they had illegal abortions in clinics done by people who probably shouldn't have been doing them. It is a little mystifying to me that, say, on the Penn State campus, there aren't, there aren't huge groups of women protesting that. It's, I mean, that kind of movement can't be led by people in my generation. It has to be led by people who are of reproductive age and really have a stake that directly in it to keep them going. I guess in that one area, I wonder. Um, None of my children are overtly political, but my my daughter, who's going to turn 30 this year, uh, although she was probably the least interested in politics as a process of all my children, is a teacher in the New York public schools, and went to a progressive master's program and, you know, had the experience of going to this little community school that we have. And she is utterly passionate about progressive education and um, the damage being done to children by the regimentation and testing and, and worksheets and dumbing down of everything and mistreatment of teachers. And she actually went out onto the streets for the first time in her life last year over over education policy in Albany. She lives in New York. So I find that extremely hopeful. And I think there are a lot of young people working in ways like that that are not um, immediately visible. But I don't think that just because they're not visible in a loud and obvious way doesn't mean it isn't happening. You know, every single opinion poll shows that each succeeding generation um, is more open to different cultural possibilities. is probably more liberal politically. Uh, and if they'll all get out there and vote, things could get a lot better, I hope. So I think there's a lot more going on than we see. How has your sense of self changed
1: over your lifetime? How do you relate to yourself?
0: I think there's something deep inside you that's probably fixed by the time you're four. Um, something that does not change, some basic characters that you recognize in yourself. When I was about three or four years old, my parents had this summer house in Massachusetts, and it was on a dirt road. It's still a dirt road. Not much can happen there, and at this time, the same families had always been there. It wasn't fancy, but it was wonderful. And I would get up and leave the house at four years old. I would just get up and leave. And I'd go to some neighbors, and they'd give me breakfast, and my dog would go with me. And when my parents got up, eventually, they'd call the dog and see where it came from. So I'm not sure I really have ever changed. <laughs> my, 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 I have a friend, Carla, who lives out there, and we were, we were talking about that thing where you had to come up with a six-word autobiography. Do you know that game? And I think what we said was, they said, no, we went anyway. <laughs> I think that was built into my myself. What changes is your perception of your your sort of social roles, I guess. I mean, there probably was a time when I actually saw myself as a revolutionary. I you'd asked for my major identity. Other times I saw myself as a teacher.
1: What would you identify yourself as today? Like what is your definition today of yourself?
0: I don't know. I'd say I'm still wondering and wandering. I'm still inquisitive and there's still a lot more in the world that I haven't seen than I'd like to.
1: You've been listening to the Egg Factory interview with Hope Boylston. If you want to find Hope's memoir, it's i locos spelled h-a-y-l-o-c-o-s look it up on amazon it's great always feel free to stop by our website eggs that's with the number four shoot us an email at eggs ears at gmail.com find us on facebook at the egg factory and subscribe to our podcast on itunes And after looking for a lot of music for this episode, we have a special treat for you. If you keep on listening, you'll hear a Chilean pop song by singer Javier Mena, and it's called Luz de Piedra de Luna. Enjoy! Adios. Ciao. (laughs)
2: Aunque cuando... cuando... sueño contigo luz de piedra de luna cuando bailo contigo no, no, trato más de entender que tu luz se apaga